Well, howdy, guys. It's Bryson with the Parker County Beef Company. We're back for our fifth episode of our Behind the Beef podcast. My dad, Shane, is here on the podcast with us today, and we are going to do our last episode of 2023. So we launched this podcast earlier in the year, made some pretty drastic changes, and now we're, uh, I guess we're going to finish up our fifth episode here, see how it goes. Shane, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah. Last time you uh, you let us know about some of your uh, things you grew up on the ranch, things you remembered, and then uh, about your bees. Uh, but today, we wanted to finish out 2023 with talking uh, through some of the things that we learned in uh, talking to our customers and some of the changes that we made here on the ranch. We've learned a lot. We We make a list of everything that we learn, and we're like... That would be something to talk about and express to others what we've what we've been through and and uh, grew from. Yeah, did you ever think a year ago that you'd be sitting here filming your second episode of a podcast about selling beef nationwide? No, I just that was something on the phone that Addison spent all of her time on. A waste of time, right? Something like that. Uh, when we started this, you know, we started in March. Um, doing our freezer beef quarters halves and holes that's that's kind of the traditional beef selling um process in our area so we started that we had a lot of success a lot of customers early on who took us up on that uh and but we kept getting the feedback over and over and over again hey is there a way for us just to buy what we are looking for is there a way for us to just build our own box get a few cuts um you know we don't need a quarter necessarily or a half we just want a couple pounds of ground beef, some steaks. So I think the first major change that we made in response to customer feedback was going to be when we did kind of the build your own box. So, uh, and, and from our standpoint, that added a ton of uh, complexity, I guess. And we had a lot of things that we didn't realize what all we didn't know. When we went from the just your basic boxes that we said you get what you get, uh, the, I guess the hardest job that it changed or complex was Brian's job of putting the right stuff in them. Yeah. So instead of pulling his pre-printed list, he had to um, go off the pre-printed list and whatever they may add or, or um, put in their box, he had to be sure and catch that. And, and Brian's, you got to keep things simple for Brian. He'll never see this video, so... Yeah, that's true. He'll never see the podcast. But um, yeah, we went from, you know, we had three or four things just do it over and over again to now, you know, it's inevitable that sometime throughout the the shipping or the fulfillment process, we'll get somebody yelling across the room, hey, where, where are the tongues at? Or where are the livers at? Right? So there's a there's a level of complexity and everybody's kind of working along here to get if you'll notice in the videos when we pack, Aaron is a catch all he does good on packing the actual box getting it to fit in there and he has caught brian mistakes more than once again brian won't see this podcast so we're good um the next one i guess i'm going to skip on my list one i'll come back to number two but uh, the second thing was you know we started this locally we started this here we're out of springtown texas we're selling beef to people you know generally within 30 minutes to an hour of where we are but Every time we posted a video, every time we did something, we got the request over and over again. Hey, can you guys ship? Will you ship? Do you ship to? And still on a lot of our videos, the first 
three or four comments are always, hey, can you ship to Kentucky or Florida or California? Um, so we realized that while we need to serve our local community, there's also a, another community of people that may not be necessarily local to us, but that share a belief system or, or share a love for good beef. Uh, so we started shipping. And like I've said on the podcast before, hey, guys, we're going to ship August the 8th. And then we kind of looked at each other and said, hey, um, does anybody know how we're going to do this? And I think the, the general consensus was a resounding no. Um, so we just kind of went to work. The funniest thing about that is forever you said, how many times did you say over and over, nationwide shipping, if you had to guess, how many? Uh, well, probably thou- I mean thousands for sure. And it was at least three times a week somebody would say, hey, do you ship to Oklahoma? I still respond to those comments every now and then because in the video I'll say, hey, we ship uh, everywhere except for Alaska and Hawaii every single Monday. And then, you know, there's inevitably a comment. What about Colorado? Like, yep, that is that is one of the states that is not Alaska and Hawaii. But I think that may point to a picture of we have the videos and you explain them. But I think people in TikTok's uh, algorithms or whatever – May that may be the first video they see. Yeah, and that 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 is true. I, I would agree with that. So maybe that's something you have to repeat every five minutes. Well, I think we're on about in. You know, we've made so many videos now that we're currently. This is what December twenty seventh, so we're at the end of twenty twenty three. And I looked last night since March twelfth when we made our first TikTok. We have made, if you include the ones I made yesterday that are already scheduled. We've made 840 TikToks. So we're just under 1,000 TikToks. And what you realize as you make that many videos is that it's new people seeing, especially on TikTok, there's new people seeing your videos over and over and over again. So one week I make a video that says, hey, this is who we are. This is how we do it. This is what we do. And then you could make that same video two to three days later, two to three weeks later, and it reaches 10,000 different people. Um, so that's, I guess that's part of the virality of TikTok. That's also one of the things that works to our advantage, the way that we treat content and media here, um, at the ranch. What video was it? What platform was it? You made the T post that was being goofy and silly and it only lasted seven or eight seconds. And yeah. So a month later, I have an eight second video on Facebook of all places and Facebook. Um, you know, you'll realize each platform has its own um, intricacies, but the Facebook platform, I used to think TikTok could be the meanest and I think Facebook may win now. I made a eight second video two months ago, pretending like I did not know how to use a T-post driver and put a T-post into the ground. And I thought, Oh, this would be funny. Well, uh, it just kind of sat there, you know, two or 3000 views, which is normal for a, one of our funny videos. And then starting about 10 days ago, it um, it's done a million or two million views in about a week, and all of the mean people came out of the woodworks and started letting us know how I I can't call myself a rancher. I don't even deserve to wear blue jeans, which is a new one to me. Um, just and then of course the the stuff that you can't believe people type on the internet actually spend the time to top it type it out and hit post. Um, so that's really fun. But in you my do, you do learn that even. 
bad advertisement is advertisement. Yeah, I you know, there's no real way for me to track it, but I always wonder, you know, what how many of those videos that the majority or a vast portion of the comments were unnecessary or rude or whatever you want to call it, mean comments, how many true customers people found out about us they're like well what's a what's a beef company doing making a funny video about putting a t-post in so we we try not to be salesy we try not to be um you know hey buy our ribeyes they're one inch thick ribeyes they're good ribeyes because if i just made those videos all day i think that would reach maybe 25 people and everyone else would block us because I would get tired of seeing that. So we have a pretty good mix. We try to mix in our content. We've got like five or six categories that we do. We try to tell people who we are, what we do, how we do it. And um, I guess there, and then we have a third one of like our actual products or a fourth one of our actual products where we actually show people what we do. But that try, I try to keep that at 25 to 30% of what we do. And the rest is all, getting to know us, getting to know the ranch, getting to know how we do things. So, Yeah, two points on that. So the mean comments, yeah. when other people see them, everybody knows they're mean, and they just overlook it. I and, do. And two, you've um, spread it out enough that you, obviously it's done a good job of reaching people that like our beef. Yeah, so uh, there was a suggestion. I believe it was my wife that did the suggestion that to end 2023, I should do my YouTube video and my my long like kind of end of the year video should be. You know, they'd make celebrities uh, read those mean tweets. Jimmy Kimmel does a segment where he does celebrities read mean tweets. I was, it was suggested that I do Beef Company reads mean comments, but uh, unfortunately, so many of them would have to be so redacted because of the things people put on the internet that it would be unfortunate. We just won't give them the time. That'd be fine. They had their five seconds of fame. Um, so then we get into our next change that we kind of enacted here based on feedback from our customers. And, you know, obviously we have the online presence. You guys see our videos everywhere and you see what we do, how we do it. But we get customers who, you know, they need, three or four pounds of ground beef tonight, or I need some ribeyes to cook this weekend. So we really wanted to expand the next uh, logistics or delivery option we wanted. We wanted to have a walk-in presence where people could walk in, get as much or as little as they need, and shop our beef in person, essentially replacing what they would originally get at the grocery store. And I think we've done a good job of that, Shane. Would you say... um, I've been personally blown away at the the amount of people and the amount of interactions we get with customers coming here to our office in Springtown to shop our beef. Uh, in the beginning, we had a lot of friends and family that we knew around like, hey, I want this. I'd like to buy um, some steaks or a roast. And that was expected, right? But um, for instance, the other day, we're here and we had a lady that came in and drove for almost an hour and a half to buy some. Her family had bought some originally at a pop-up uh, and really liked it. And she had nothing but great reviews for the steaks and beef that she bought and was willing to drive an hour and a half to Springtown to pick it up here. So when I saw that and t- after talking to her, um, that uh, that makes you feel like what you're doing up there 
and the front office is right. Yeah, it makes it feel like um, it matters. And you mentioned it there, but the other thing I have with that, that retail setup is our pop-ups. That was kind of a wild hair idea of, hey, we have this mobile freezer trailer. We can take our product completely frozen. Let's get a tent. Let's go set it up. Let's do a pop-up. And I mean, we get people that come in our office. We get people that go online, emails. Pop-ups are a huge part of how we get beef in people's hands and get out in the community to build customers. And, you know, like I said in the video, it's great uh, for sales. It's great for us as a company. But more so than that, we get incredible feedback. We get to have really cool conversations with people at pop-ups. And we live stream the thing, too. So that, that makes it um, easy to get videos out of it, I guess. All right, Shane, the last thing that we got feedback from on our customers are steaks, right? So we've had to learn to listen when a customer says something. Um, so the, the only feedback that we had, the constructive criticism, if, if you will, uh, on our products would be our, our steaks. So on our New York strips and our ribeyes originally, uh, you know, we took guidance from some people who helped us get started and, and we're trying to just hit the bell curve of serving as many people as possible, which is difficult, right? Because I'm sure Shane and I don't even prefer the same size, thickness, cut, or, or preparation of a steak. But what we're trying to do when we develop a product and when we put specs on a product is we are trying to... Um, You're gonna hear some extra noise there are some extracurriculars going on outside of our We're studio We're going to blame here. it on Brian again. It'll we, be fine. We did ask for a 20-minute uh, silence, and we're at 14 minutes. So I'm impressed that we got that long. So Shane and I probably don't like our steaks the same way, and we're trying to develop a product, put specs out for a product that is, is reaches as many people as possible. But the, the feedback that we got from a few key customers uh, were that they wished that our steaks were a little bit thicker. Right, we're running three-quarter inch ribeyes. We're running three-quarter inch New York strips, and what that was giving us was anywhere from a uh, nine to twelve ounce New York strip and a twelve to sixteen ounce ribeye. Obviously, depending on the diameter. Um, but we listened, and starting twenty twenty-four, we have our New York strips and our ribeyes are both one inch thick. So you're going to get that in most cases above restaurant quality. Uh, steak and our ribeyes are also going to be bone in. So for our customers who've been asking for that, asking for that thicker bone in ribeye, you're going to get a true cowboy cut ribeye. They're running, I don't know, 17 to 22 ounces and the New York strips are running 14 ish, 16 ish ounces. So, um, I think the customers are really going to enjoy that. It's a, it's a great quality steak. It's honestly better than you're going to get at your, at your steakhouse type cuts. Uh, but yeah, we heard the customers, we listened, and we try to make changes when we can. Maybe they could comment here. Let us know what's the ribeye weight now? Seventeen to twenty-two. Yeah, the, the last batch that I weighed last week was about um, twenty ounces on average. So when you order that, is that a? Do we split that? I know when my wife and I go and order a steak, I think we really split. A 12 ounce now 
Yeah. I wonder uh, what the use. I wouldn't ask my wife because if you guys have seen our videos, we did we do a uh, partnership with the Corn Fed Club here in Springtown where we um, have our 40-ounce tomahawks. So those are going to be about two to two-and-a-half-inch thick tomahawks. And we went there. You know, Obviously, we had to go so I could try it out for um, market research. And my wife will tell you. She would never get in front of a camera and film this, but my wife would tell you um, that – I ate the entire thing. I ate all but four or five ounces. So she got two bites. I'm not. Said. I'm not splitting the ribeye, uh, regardless of the size. But just so let us know on that. What yeah. What's the use on that? I I do have a question. The only thing we haven't changed is our sirloin thickness. Sirloins are at three quarter now. Yep. And what's their What's their end weight? Uh 14 on the low end, 17, 18 on the high end. Just depends on where they're cutting it out of that sirloin. What do most people – will Will people take a one-inch sirloin or is that too much? Yeah, the problem with the sirloin is you're, cut, you're not cutting a, a set diameter thing. It's kind of like your fillets. So you're going to get some shapes that if you cut it thicker, you're going to end up with way bigger. And if you cut it thinner in some areas, you're going to end up with way smaller. I think a lot of people use sirloins as a pretty flexible cut. Um Obviously, you can cook it as a steak, but your stir fry, um, you're cutting into strips, stew meat, that kind of stuff. Sirloin is is often seen as uh, kind of the utility player of the steak world. So, yeah, we can see. You guys, let us know how you like your sirloins, and we'll uh, maybe we'll do a podcast episode on that. There you go. Okay, so um, before we end, I've got a guy. Usually, we'll get comments, and they'll they'll be constructive. But I have a. Um, a behind-the-scenes commenter. Do you have any of those? Yeah, I do. So he's uh, he always send out anything from the the notch that my belt's on or the fact that my shirt was tucked or not tucked. Uh, some stuff about maybe I'm out of shape. But he has offered to cook um, our – what's the tailbone? Oxtails. Oxtails. He's interested in oxtails. So in between his mean comments, he does uh, express interest in oxtails. So if he actually sees this, his initials, can I give his initials? You can say whatever you want. I, I, I mean, I'll put his name on here. I'm not. I'm well, not. Rick. It's Rick. Everybody knows who Rick is. So, Rick, if you give the code word, what's the code word he can pass on? Oxtail. Oxtail. Uh, we'll see if we can get you some oxtails that you can grill for us and then let us know um, how they turn out. From me, my brother, and Bryson, uh, we really want to thank you for supporting us through this year, starting back in March when we had an idea and carried it through August when the work began that y'all got to see. Uh, we, we thank you for your support and believing in us and uh, getting us to the end of the year, which uh, we, I have to say that we're impressed with and humbled with. So from our family to each and every one of y'all, thank you.